Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, Eric Kareen. Pre-flight, Eric Kareen. Eric, how are you? Um, I'm great. I'm great. The I'm just going to lean into my Dallas Cowboys fandom for a second. Did they lose yesterday? They did not lose. Yeah. They won in overtime on a deflected pass by the Philadelphia uh, cornerback that was then caught by Amari Cooper, who just has 80-yard touchdowns every game now. Uh, and the Patriots lost in humiliating fashion, which is always fun. Uh and I now have the weight of being right all the time about the Raptors' uh, results off my shoulders, which is which is good. Which is yes, yeah, you good. are wrong. You are wrong and bad, just like the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, uh, your Toronto Raptors. Since we last talked, did we last talk before the Philly game or after the Philly game? Be- after the Philly uh, game, right? After, yeah, I only predicted two games. Okay. They went 0-2 in those two games. Uh, kind of an ugly overtime loss to Brooklyn on Friday night, 106-105. And then a much more fun, but perhaps more dispiriting 104-99 loss back at home to the Milwaukee Bucks on Sunday. Um, I, I can't imagine people want to talk too much about the Nets. There's one theme that came up in both games that we'll touch on, but I think people are probably more worried about the Bucks game. Of course, people are worried. The Raptors are 21-7. They're a disaster. Uh, why isn't Messiah making calls to get Nick Young? Why is How could you let the Denver Nuggets sign Nick Young? Messiah just sitting there resting on his laurels. His many yeah. laurels. Yeah. All of his laurels. People have to relax a little bit. Have like, we talked about what laurels are? I think we have talked about laurels. I think we have, yeah. Podcast. Okay. Uh, anyway, people got to chill just a little bit. Yes, there are lots of things the Raptors need to get better at and clean up. Uh, it's also December 10th. No team is perfect. The fact that team a team is having ups and downs and trying to figure itself out still uh, is not surprising or alarming, especially when you're winning most of the games while you do that. Uh, however, there are some things that have come up in the last couple of games that are worth discussing. Uh, I think the most obvious one is is probably Kyle Lowry, who is mirrored in a very deep slump uh, right now. We talked, I think we talked last time about kind of his 12-game trend. It's gotten even worse over the last little bit. In his last five games, he's shooting 19% overall, 15.6% on threes, averaging just five points a game, uh, sounding like a guy who doesn't really know how to find his game right now uh, in terms of scoring, and looking like a guy who is maybe not afraid, but far less willing than we normally see him to uh, let open threes fly. Eric, your concern level with one Kyle Lowry. Oh, maximum concern. He sucks and he's bad and will never be good again. Trade him for uh, Kemba Walker. Come on, Masai. Why aren't you making calls? Yeah. Uh, what's the next topic? You really don't want to talk about Kyle Lowry? No, I'm joking. Um, my concern level is uh, moderate. But I think we've seen him go through enough of these slumps through his career. This certainly seems like a pronounced version of one. Uh, and as I wrote after the box game, the bigger concern is that he's, you know, just failing to uh, 
failing to take shots rather than merely missing shots. Uh, I liked what Nick Nurse said before the game, that he'd sort of like to see him take more pull-up threes in transition versus less, um, versus fewer, I guess I should say. Um, because, you know, when things aren't going well, do what you do when things are going well. Like, act as if you're comfortable, uh, and maybe you fake yourself into actually being comfortable. Uh, he's, I think, not playing as much with Jonas Valanciunas hasn't been particularly good for him. I, I think he's sort of, you know, a pick and roll versus a pick and pop changes so much about your attitude, even as the ball handler in those situations. And I, and I think he's just holding on to the ball, maybe, a, and being passive is the best way to put it. Not just with his shot, but in terms of reading the defense and... So, you know, he's going to need to come out of it. I don't know what level uh, injuries play with this. Obviously, he sat out the one game with the back injury. But ultimately, he has too long of a track record and started the year too well for this not to turn turn around, uh, and I would expect reasonably soon. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And then the other thing, too, is I didn't think this was the case uh, last night, really. I thought he just had uh, an outright bad game other than, like, a nice passing uh, third quarter. Um, Chris Black from Sportsnet tweeted out that during this slump, he's also drawn two charges, uh, is tied for second on the team with 12 deflections, has recovered five loose balls, etc. Um, and this is kind of – we you and I have said a lot in the past that when Kyle Lowry slumps, it's usually just a shooting slump. The other parts of his game don't slump. He's still averaging nine assists – uh, 4.6 rebounds, 1.6 steal, 1.2 blocks during this five-game stretch. The Raptors have still won the minutes that he's been on the floor. He's at a positive plus-minus in four of those five games. Um, so he is still, even even if you give the, the plus-minus the caveat that he's playing with a very hot Kawhi Leonard right now uh, and Danny Green, the plus-minus god, you know, Lowry is still having an impact on games. I didn't who think that not, was quite... Who is not hot, by the way, Danny Green? Uh, no. anyway. Some heat on his feet, though. Those new... Green and pink Pumas. Yeah. Danny Green, hello. I might be Puma gang, Eric. I didn't really like the red, yellow, and orange ones to start the year, but the <clears throat> the black and kind of bone-colored ones were great, and then these pink and green ones are, are nice. We need some sort of Puma sound effect, like a wild cat. Uh, or we just need a Puma sponsorship so I can get some free kicks. Sponsor um, the pod, Puma. That, I, will, I will say all the great things about DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> That'd be unethical for us to accept uh, free things as uh, journalists, and certainly no journalist has ever done that. Yeah. Also, there's yeah, I'm sure there's just a ton of journalistic integrity when it comes to sports writers taking free shoes. Having never received a pair, I'm not sure, but there are definitely people who do. So I wouldn't know. know anything about that. Maybe this is the issue. Kyle Lowry's an Adidas guy. Yeah, as we talked about last time. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Kyle Lowry is something. Uh, I didn't think he played well Sunday pretty much at all, uh, but he is obviously doing some of these things still that help him um, help the team. And that's kind of, you can usually see it when Lowry's slumping, um, that he'll try to pick up kind of the pace in terms of drawing charges and making passes and making hustle plays and stuff like that. Um, so that's, that's like a, a nice thing, at least. Um, the other thing Lowry said after the game, I think there's probably some merit to this is that he needs to drive a little bit more Um, during this slump, 6.4, three point attempts per game, only two attempts per game inside the arc and fewer than one free throw per game. So 
he he could probably make a more concerted effort to be aggressive going to the rim. I know you mentioned the Ibaka versus Valanciunas trade-off where, you know, maybe he's more comfortable um, going to the rim when Valanciunas is there to, to kind of have some of that roll gravity to, to clear the space out, whereas Ibaka is stopping at that elbow and dripping wet with 60% elbow jump. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, although he's shooting 80% or whatever for the mid-range, so that should be giving him a bit more space, but, you know, it's not like Kyle Lowry's a, a huge blow-by guy at the best of times. Yeah. Okay, so Lowry, I mean, you wrote about it. I'm going to write about it Tuesday. I don't think we need to beat this too far into the ground because um, everyone else is doing that. And, and I think everyone, I think most people have, you know, uh, there are exceptions, but most people seem to have uh, at least a semi-reasonable, you know, this is a slump, but you've seen it enough this that he should round out of it, even though this is like an exceptionally uh, exaggerated one. Two other things that have come out. Pardon me? Yes. It's a slumpy slump. Yes. Okay, two other things that have come up in the last two games. One is the bench. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas has played some nice games recently. Um, there was a game two games ago, three games ago against Philadelphia where he was awesome, and we talked about that a lot. Um, he then started on Friday against Brooklyn, went back to the bench on Sunday. Um, none of this is a Valanciunas problem. The problem is just that bench unit in general. So now the, the all-bench unit with Valanciunas has now played 47 minutes together uh, because they got absolutely rolled on Sunday. They're now a negative for the season after being uh, a surprising positive um, through what is it through Friday's games. Um, last night in particular, CJ Miles, OG Ananobi, DeLon Wright, all huge minuses, minus 14 or minus 16. Um, Miles extended shooting slump as well. Uh, Ananobi for the last 10 or 12 games has really not looked like himself. I'm not sure if that wrist injury is still at play um, or he's just not in a, in a good flow or what, but he really hasn't looked like uh, the OG Ananobi of last year, early this year. Um, Delon Wright, I thought has played better than his numbers have suggested, but even he's been a little uneven. Uh, save for Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Save for Fred Van Vliet hitting five threes last night uh, and that key drive late in the game. You know, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot to be, positive about about the bench after the weekend um, which sucks because it looked like maybe they were rounding into form a little bit um, there are some ill-fitting pieces there and some pieces that maybe aren't being used the best but what, what's your you know is it time to pull the plug on this after 47 minutes of this five man group staying together i i'd uh i'd wait to see a little bit more i uh, as we've talked about i'm interested in more minutes with siakam in there instead of either Miles or OG uh, or even uh, switching up the starters and putting OG into uh, in the uh, starting power forward slot, even though that's probably something you're loath to do when Kyle Lowry's in, uh, in the state that he's currently in. You want more creation uh, and uh, ball handlers uh, when your point guards sort of struggling for confidence, but it's, it's not looked good. Uh, you know, I think OG Ananobi has been really disappointing lately. I think we talked about that last week. I, I can't really diagnose it. Uh, he, at, at times he's trying to do too much. And at times you sort of forget that he's out there. Uh, like I said, DeLon Wright, you know, seemingly can't, uh, can't finish a layup. <laughs> maybe because he makes things so difficult for himself uh, by all the different angles he gets to the light, to the to the rim. Uh, I thought I, you know I sort of think CJ Miles is 
not shooting wise, but I think he's doing some good things out there. Uh, and I'm sort of hopeful on that front. I don't know if you've seen any of that, but yeah, I mean, I've, I think I've seen a little bit of I it. I think he's, forced, he's forcing less and he's making the right play a bit more often. And drew a charge on Giannis in transition last night too. Uh, yes, he, he did successfully get the referee to incorrectly make a call. <laughs> uh, so, so that, that's good. Um, so I think there are signs and I think this team, like all these guys have track records so you don't want to give up on it too early and put more of a burden on your starters than you're already putting, which is already pretty high. But uh, it's definitely a concern, and you know you can't continue to give away leads and games like this. All right, last point from the last two games uh, before we get into uh, forward-looking. The Raptors have gone small in both of those games. They've used Siakam at center uh, in both uh, both small windows. Uh, they did it against Brooklyn late in the fourth to try to come back. Uh, went back to Valanciunas in overtime, and things were going okay. Went back small and, and kind of lost the game. I'm not saying that lineup lost the game, but that's you know the last minute and change of Friday's game was the small lineup not pulling it out. Uh, and then on Sunday, they did it for three minutes at the end of the first quarter. Um, with Siakam at center, Ananobi at the four, and Danny Green at the three. Um, and that was, you know, they were a minus two, but you kind of saw why they might like that. They actually didn't give up an offensive rebound, which feels like uh, a minor miracle. I know this this is one area that you and I tend to, it's the one kind of reliable thing that you and I don't see eye to eye on a lot. Is it, And this went back to last year with the Baca at center. Um, I am not as lusty for these Siakam at center lineups as everyone else seems to be. Uh, the early sample is tiny and shredded up into a bunch of tiny samples, but I think they're minus 14 over 21 minutes together without a center on the floor. Um, obviously, there's value in trying it out and, and seeing what it looks like and getting Siakam some experience in that role just in case it's needed. Um, have you seen enough of it yet to feel any kind of way about it? Uh, I mean, no. I thought the Nets game was a really weird time to bring it out, uh, as you sort of wrote about after afterward. I just I thought Valanciunas was sort of going well, and I didn't feel like they were getting shred at the rim. Uh, like D'Angelo Russell was hitting a, a bunch of dis- difficult mid rangers, and I think you sort of would rather live with that than than live with some other things. Yeah, uh, Brooklyn took I, a seventh percentile I, I, rate of shots at the rim in that game. Yeah, That's uh, um, I like, you know, I think your summation of us disagreeing about this is correct, but I don't think that was the situation. And the Bucks game, it was fine. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, I still want to see more of it. And I do think in some series they're going to need it. Uh, but... I, I just I, I don't really understand the usage to be us uh, uh, to be honest, um, but it's a regular season. Got to try things. Except when you lose and try things, then people start getting angry. And it's just like, can you go back to winning eighty three percent of your games? Yeah, maybe, probably not. But uh, yeah, so I that's wow. that's one. Like I said, I, I I see the value in getting more reps in it. I think part of the issue is, one, it, it, it exacerbates what's already a big issue on your own glass. Uh, two, it takes away a strength, which is your center rotation. 
um, and you, you know your ability to play kind of big sometimes. And they've they've gone to Siakam at center far more than they've gone to say an Abaka Valanciunas front court that has some matchup utility as well. Probably should have played a little bit against Denver. Um, so I don't know. I see I see the reason for trying it out. Like you said, the usage is maybe a little curious. Um, the sample's still a little too small. But in general, I'm not as convinced as everyone else that Siakam at center is going to be is going to unlock this like insane defensive um, upside because I think they can be really good and switchy with positional size across all the positions and still keep uh, a more natural big on the floor, probably Ibaka in those spots. So. Um, yeah, I thought they looked really. That lineup looked really good and uh, defensively against the Nets. Uh, I will say that, yeah. but that that's about it. It's still too early to make any uh, sweeping judgments. So, also through all of this, uh, Kawhi Leonard's been pretty good. He wasn't elite on Sunday necessarily on the offensive end. Twenty points on twenty uh, used possessions, so um, not a crazy efficiency but he was coming off a 32 point game and a 36 point game and four of his last six he scored 30 plus and he's been very efficient and rebounding and I thought his the last I don't know three the last two or three games his playmaking is taking a nice step forward uh, maybe even dating back to that Memphis game where he found three three-point shooters in like the final couple minutes there um, he seems to be getting yeah. more comfortable and doesn't seem to have minded really carrying more of the load with Kyle Lowry struggling um, Serge Ibaka also not minding carrying more of the. Uh, just, uh, he was really stepping into those three pointers. Yeah, Serge Ibaka, thirty-two percent usage on Sunday. Serge, just take a step in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do NBA. All we want is twenty footers, man. It's crazy. Uh, four of eleven on threes and nine of twenty-one overall in Sunday's game. And Ibaka uh, had four assists, which is very unabaka like. Kawhi had a, a bad uh, final 90 seconds, but so did pretty much all of the Raptors. Yeah, he missed that three, uh, um, not the... Although he also, had a turnover. prior to that 90 seconds, he had just a monstrous stretch where uh, yeah. he like stole Chris Middleton's yeah. soul temporarily. He like yeah. stole the ball like three times on one possession. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah you know, thing- I'm picking that. And clutch time play is difficult when one of your two creators is struggling for his confidence. Yeah, and which, his numbers you know, in those clutch situations, like on the season as a whole, are still fairly strong. Yeah, not worried. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I will say also... Ha- hashtag, hashtag not worried. Sure, sure, we can use that hashtag. Kawhi <laughs> uh, Leonard also, he didn't spend very much time on Giannis last night, but per the NBA.com matchup data, which is noisy and, you know, assigned kind of haphazardly. Um, so don't take it for gospel, but Giannis did not score when Kawhi was his primary defender using that matchup data. And he only had one assist. Well, I think nurse needs to scrap all this fancy modern switching stuff and just get back to having primary defenders and guarding your man and all that stuff. Um, I I do have a lot more thoughts on the Bucks matchup, but I have a piece coming out Monday that goes into more of the tactical shifts that they, they made um, to hold Giannis. And that sounds weird to say because he had 19, 19 and six, Uh, but to, you know, to, (laughs) to moderate Giannis's impact. um, He's just so good. It's watching the game back. Neither Giannis. It's stupid. Neither Giannis nor Kawhi had their, you know, a game certainly on, uh, Sunday and the game was disappointing from uh, that perspective. 
Okay, let's look ahead now because you were about to hit the road for a four-game West Coast trip to Toronto. I like how you're saying this. I'm, I'm not leaving until Wednesday morning, but uh, okay, we well. good. Oh, you're not leaving until Wednesday I appreciate morning? that. No. Oh, I thought you were leaving Tuesday. I should have, but I didn't because I was, uh, well, you can imagine the reasons why I don't. Sure. Okay, so the Raptors will play in Los Angeles against the Clippers on Tuesday in Golden State, or technically in San Francisco because Golden State is not a place, uh, on Wednesday on the second night of a back-to-back in what is probably the toughest game on the schedule all year, second night of a back-to-back against the Warriors in Oakland. Um, I'm just going to keep calling it different places. It's, uh, yeah, it is Oakland. That's, Oakland is correct. That's probably the toughest uh, game on the schedule all year. Then they'll go to Portland for a game on Friday and then Denver for a game on Sunday. Those are all very good teams. Uh, the Clippers are 16 and 9. The Warriors are 18 and 9. The Trailblazers are 15 and 11. The Nuggets are 17 and 9. These are all really good teams and really good tests. Um, the one question kind of hanging over it, other than Lowry's slump, is we're st- we still don't know if Kawhi Leonard's sitting one half of the back to back. If he sits this back-to-back, uh, one half of it, I would assume he's just not playing a back-to-back for the entire year. Because, one, it's not like there are back-to-backs in the playoffs, so there's some hurdle that he has to clear. And, two, if you're not going to play him in a Clippers-Warriors back-to-back, there's no reason to play him in any other back-to-back. So, uh, do you think he's going to play in both, Eric? Do you have any sort of feeling at all? I have no insight. I'm going to guess that he doesn't. He does not play in both ends? No, I'm going to guess he uh, he skips the Golden State game. Damn. How disappointing. But I don't be? know. Like, uh, we don't know. They're not being forthright about their plans, which is, you know, fine. Um, it's their prerogative. They're not as tight on these things for gambling reasons as the NFL is. <laughs> Maybe they will be in the future. I think we've discussed this uh, yeah. very, very Um. But they, you know, the last back-to-back they had, which was, I think, Boston-Chicago, they said they will assess the situation when it comes, and it comes now, and I don't think, uh, unless he's not playing on Tuesday night, I don't think Nick Nurse is going to come out and say he's not playing on Wednesday, because they haven't done that all year. The only person who said he's not going to play in back-to-backs for some time has been Kawhi Leonard. Uh, So, uh, it's... So I'm just going to guess that that holds true and what they've done will continue to be the case. Uh, but I could definitely be wrong for the first time ever. Yeah. Well, you were wrong about the Nets game. Second. Time. And the Bucks game. Yeah. Third time ever. Okay. Uh, yeah. There are, yeah, there, no, the Raptors still have a fair number of back-to-backs, but they're much lower leverage ones. Like they have one more this year and it's at home against Cleveland and then at Philadelphia uh, obviously, competitive-wise, you'd rather have him play the Philadelphia game, but I don't know if the fact that one of those games is at home right around Christmas will impact things at all. Uh, and then, like, in the new year, it's, like, Milwaukee and Indiana and Boston and Phoenix, where there's, like, each of these has important... Why is Milwaukee always on a back-to-back? Um, except for the game on Sunday. Two of the three against Milwaukee back-to-back. <laughs> um, they don't want us to see Kawhi Giannis. And then, like... Uh, there are some unsexy ones later in the year too, where it's like, okay, who like at Miami and at Cleveland, like who cares if he sits one um, Detroit and the Knicks, who cares if he sits one cares if he sits both. Yeah, exactly. At that point in the year when the Raptors are, what do they have? 21 and seven. Now at that point, they will be 21 and 50. 
So that was the joke to make. Yeah. Yes. Uh, obviously, everything's falling off the rails. Um, okay. What are you What are you looking for in this four game set? Because obviously, the Raptors have not been playing their best basketball. Um, Kyle, they need Kyle Lowry to come along. They need to figure some things out with the bench and rotations. What are What are kind of the big focuses you're going to have as you hit the road for three of these four games? Uh, yeah, it's got to be Lowry first and foremost. Uh, I think we've talked about that enough uh, to warrant uh not talking about it anymore uh especially against the clippers i want to see how they match energy level and and uh just physicalness physicality uh the coaching buzzword that it is because uh, that's a team that can really just make you pay for not being solid on the glass they have noted raptor killer Montrez harrell uh, who's a sixth man of the year candidate slash favorite right now. Um, and they're just a, a team. They're like Boston West, like the Los Angeles tryhards. Um, so that's a worry. And then as we discussed, we need the, the, the you need the Raptors bench to start uh, extending some leads or, or uh, you know, erasing some deficits just for the, overall morale of of the group as a whole because you know the one thing that nick nurse sort of talked about is not having this very uh clunky you know two group feel but sort of because of the results and how how they've been producing you get this sense of dread when the team uh when the reserves come in and the starters uh do not and i think you know part of the reason uh or when the starters hit the bench uh, I should say. And I think, as we've also discussed, Nick Nurse sort of planned for Siakam and OG Ananobi to be rotating a little bit, and that's just not the way the season's played out. So that's probably part of the reason he played that, uh, or he said that in training camp. Uh, but, you know, the the reserves can make that sort of feeling disappear by just having some some big games and Fred Van Vliet pointed out that it's not the same group as last year, but it still has a lot of talent uh, on both sides of the ball. And you'd like to see it come out a bit more. I guess the one other thing we could mention uh, over this four game trip, the last time we talked, it sounded like the Raptors might have Norman Powell back on this trip. Nick nurse kind of downgraded that idea on Sunday saying not, not that Powell had a setback, but that things didn't progress quite as well as they'd hoped. It was about a week ago that nurse said Powell was seven to 10 days out. Uh, he's now more or less ruled him out for this entire trip, which makes sense. Uh, one, because it's probably pretty hard to work a guy back in on a four game, six day trip where you only figure to have one practice day. Um, so even if Powell was good to go and just needed to clear like a contact hurdle, uh, they don't, pra- the next time they practice is Saturday the 15th. If they even they, practice that yes. day. Yeah. Um, and then after this four game trip, you have a double day off before uh, a couple home games. So, you know, maybe that's the window. Um, I don't know that Powell would have solved what's wrong with the second unit. I think the way he was playing before his injury, uh, his skill set as kind of an, a willing attacker is an interesting wrinkle to throw in there with a group that has, you know, not very willingly attacked or not very willingly attacked until late in the clock when you can fling a weird angled layup as your body's flying out of bounds. Um, so maybe that, maybe that helps eventually. I'm not sure. I think probably that would come at the expense of CJ miles minutes, but, uh, yeah, the bench has some things to figure out. Eric, do you want to make your little four game prediction? I do because they don't matter anymore. Uh, they don't now now that you're an idiot. 
now that I'm not perfect, I'm nothing. Um, that that's what you should take away from this podcast. Yeah, so if you're not perfect, yeah, if you're not perfect, don't bother trying. Uh, I'm gonna go win loss win loss. Uh, win in Los Angeles, loss in Golden State, win in Portland, loss in uh, in Denver. And my yeah, my second prediction is four losses and firing Nick Nurse. Okay. Would you I'm come sure. back off the I'm road sure. in that case, or are we just going to like bury you? Like, just don't even bother coming back to cover the team, Eric. Just no. Stay I assume in I will. I assume I will be just uh, swallowed up in an avalanche if that happens naturally. An uh, avalanche of Nick Young and Jamal Murray three pointers. Yeah, the fates will take care of it. Don't worry. Uh, I'm with you. Writers, two and two. Writers have got stuck in uh, in Denver before the holidays uh Toronto is that, that's that's the illuminati airport isn't it i don't know i believe that's the one with a lot of conspiracy theories about it oh good it's really far from denver apparently like the city uh i've never been to denver so i'm actually kind of excited for that but uh um, well, that'd be nice yeah no it's nice uh, both portland and denver not in an ideal time to go to either but there are cities I've only visited once in zero times, respectively, so that'll be interesting. I like Portland. Um, good beer scene and the Nike factory store, the like giant Nike store. So Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm clearly very tired and not all here. We should, li- we should end this anyway. Um, you've made your prediction two and two. You said, you said you're with me on two and two. Yeah, That's I think we so. Um, I'm really dicey about the Clippers game. Just because I really like the Clippers and yeah, the way good. that they're playing right now, um, but yeah, it's uh, that'll be a tough one. All of them are tough. It, it would not be, yeah. you know, anywhere from three and one to zero oh and four would not be super surprising, honestly. Um, do you think they'll be favored in any of the games? Uh, maybe Portland. Yeah, Portland has kind of come down to earth a little bit and are not. Uh, I don't actually think they're super good. We'll you know, maybe maybe the Portland one. But yeah, they'll, they'll definitely be underdogs like in Golden State and Denver and probably against the Clippers. Yeah, that's that's how I would see it. Yeah, so that's tough. Uh, do you have any parting shots before we before we go? The and good before... place was really good this week. The good the place good was place? really good. This week. It was. Yeah. Shout out to Janet. All the Janets. Yeah, all of the Janets. Well, what was the accountant Janet called? Boring Janet? Neutral Janet? Neutral Janet, yeah. <laughs> The same, uh, the same mood and tone as our podcast. <laughs> uh, neutral, yeah. Uh, I, I think she should be... I mean, that's obviously her Emmy submission tape. Yes. Uh, and I sort of wish for her sake... Uh, her name's Darcy Corden, right? I think. I believe so. Uh, uh, it would almost be better if she were a guest actress instead of a regularly recurring... Uh, supporting actress just because there's so many uh well there's two bigger names on that show right and and in the age of like the the hbo drama disguised as a as a mini series like there's so many big names and supporting actress now when like these shows get 12 cat like 12 movie stars or, or 12 movie actors at least to be in their eight episode uh shows so I think it's going to be hard for her, but that was a uh, a comedic uh, a comedic uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Blake, you're the writer. Find, uh, tour de force, 
It was a comedic turn of course. What was your favorite, Janet, of her playing the other characters? Probably as uh, Eleanor trying to pass as Jason, Janet. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting like three levels deep here. Uh, anyway, yeah. we should not talk uh, super specific, just in case anyone's behind. No, we're not. This isn't. Uh, this uh, we haven't given away any plot. Okay, I think we've just given away uh, the idea of the episode. Cool. I think the, we're good. The premise. It's like it's like saying the the uh, timeline episode in Community uh, season three featured timelines from many different characters. Uh, point of view. It doesn't really let you know what happened or why it was such a brilliant episode. But Fair enough. Fair enough. Eric, let's uh, let's wrap this up. I hope you have uh, a good trip. We'll talk to you in about a week when we have those four games to uh, break down. I hope you have a wonderful trip, man. Thanks, man. Uh, stay calm, everybody. It's going to be alright. No, panic! Panic at the Kalo! <laughs> See ya! Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. If only to be a reasonable man.